I watched the video this, this week that really sort of spoke very clearly to me about, about the Bible. Uh, it's, it's tough, it's straightforward, and so is the sermon tonight as well. So I would like us to watch that video quickly and uh, just listen to it and uh, follow it. The guy speaks Americano and he speaks quick, uh, but listen to it quickly. Hey guys, Pastor Greg Luck here. You know this book we call the Bible is under more attack today than it ever has been. People refute the Bible, people deny the Bible, people rebel against the truth of the Word of God, and yet when you and I and our pea-sized brains are dead cold, six feet in the ground, and the world's on fire, the Bible will still stand like the Rock of Gibraltar. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. My Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He didn't say some much or most. He said all of it. All 39 books of the Old Testament, all 27 books of the New Testament, all 66 books of the Bible, all 791,328 words, all 31,101 verses, all 1,189 chapters. Every bit of this book we call the Bible is the Word of God. It's under attack. But I live by this book and I die by this book. James 1.22, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Let me tell you something that bothers me. It grieves me in my spirit in American Christianity, which is far too American and not nearly enough Christian, that we have people who say, I love Jesus, I know God, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I just don't believe the Bible. Let me tell you something, you're a liar. You're a fool that has been deceived by the devil. You say, oh my goodness, you're just judging. No, I'm reading what the judge said. Jesus said, lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. You tell me how much you love this book, and I'll tell you how much you love the author of it. This book is not about people, places, and things. This book is about a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is the Word of God. It has withstood the test of time. They've tried to burn it, change it, drown it, tear it up, throw it on the floor, and do anything they can with it, but it still stands. People are afraid of this book, and rightly so. The devil hates this book, and rightly so. It is a sword. It is a hammer. It is a rock. It is a bath, if you will, that cleanses us. But I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the very Word of Almighty God. Jeremiah said his Word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and when the universe is no more the Bible will still be the Word of God and so you hear me and you hear me well if you are a Christian you will believe the Bible this is not a buffet you don't get to pick and choose you take all of it or you take none of it you believe every bit of it or you don't believe any of it and at the end of the day the only parts we really believe are the parts that we really behave the Bible will change your life it is the Word of Almighty God. We live by that, we die by that, and we stand on that fundamental reality. And Christians, it's time that we stand up in defense and in belief and in passionate love for the truth of the Word of God because it does not change just because the culture changes. If your belief in the authority of the Word of God changes because the culture changes, well then, you never believed it in the first place. Quite straight, isn't it? 
What did you think? Uh, you better read your Bible. You better live by it. Okay. All right. My theme for this month is be prepared. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about being prepared. And you're saying, and I'm rightfully so asking the question, so be prepared for what? What is it you want me to be prepared? prepared for? Uh, Is it a New Year's resolution I need to make? Is it something that I've got to look forward and say, this year I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for 2019. I want you to look at it a little bit bit different tonight with me, because I think we've got to prepare for something much better, much deeper, much greater. And this month we're going to speak a little bit on that, and I want to stir your thoughts a little bit uh, on that issue, and it will unfold as we go. How many of you have gone to the bathroom and realized that you ran out of paper. Now, don't put your hand up. Don't put your hand up. It's very personal, this. It's very personal, this. Okay, and some of you think, Rulof, how can you say this in church? I really don't know. Okay, so, so, so it spells trouble, doesn't it? When you go there and say, and if you're married, it's easier because you can, you can ask for help. But if you're not, if you're in a public place, you are in trouble. Okay, let's move on. How many of you have had a meeting and you, you, you've prepared so well for this meeting? You've got this presentation and, and, and you thought that your, your computer was charged, but it wasn't really charged. And, and then when it came to sort of middle of the meeting, you quickly wanted to plug in. You realized that you did not have the power supply in your bag. Have you ever had that feeling? Some of you may have had that feeling, all right? Or, ladies and some gents, how many of you have gone to the shop? You've did all the whole month shopping, and you get to the till, and there's 20, 30 people behind you, and it's a rush, and you can't, you've just got to pay and go, and you take, and your credit card is not in your wallet. Your husband has got it. If Carol was here tonight, she would have said, yeah, because I've done that. I received a very... Nasty phone call not so long ago because this is what I did, all right? But that, that, that feels so absolutely unprepared in a sense. How many of you have ever run out of fuel? Now, I'm speaking to those who've driven cars. Yeah, some of you are laughing immediately now as well. Yeah. All right, so, so I want a really an honest test here because this is church. We've got to be honest, all right? How many of you have run out of fuel in your life? Drivers now, all right? Shame on you. Shame on you. Because you know what? In days gone by when you had fuel gauges like this, when Rick was young, you could have been excused because the thing was never accurate, Gavin. Never. But you can't have that excuse anymore. Because today in most of our cars, unless you drive a really old model, but in most of our cars, it warns you with four or five different ways that you're coming to the end of your fuel line. It tells you you've got 100 kilometers left. A red light goes on. It does a beep. I don't know what else it does. Even the wife starts talking. Your fuel is low. Your fuel is low. It is no excuse. There is no excuse. That's the reality. When it comes to no fuel in my vehicle, I have no excuse. I have been warned. The car's done it for me. There's a story in the Bible. I would like you to turn there with me to Matthew chapter 25. Because, um, and I really want you to bring your Bibles with on, on Sundays because this is something we've got to learn how to handle. Okay, So bring your Bibles with from next Sunday. But here's a story. Uh, and this is not, you know, running out of fuel is nothing new. In the Bible, there is a story about people who've run out of fuel. But they did not run out of petrol or diesel. They ran out of olive oil for their lamps. It's the same story. So I'm going to read it quickly. But before I go there, here's the question again. Are you ready, Natalie? 
and you say, yes, I'm ready to go and teach. No, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Are you ready? I'm not asking you, are you ready to go on another holiday? Because you've just been there. I'm planning my next one already. I'm so, 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 uh, so stoked about going on holidays, you know. And so, no, but I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Are you ready is the question. Tonight's a hard one, guys. It's a kind of a sermon pastors don't really want to preach, but I have to do it. But here we go, Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to, that's the end of it, so you'll pick up with me um, uh, right at the end. But here's the parable of ten virgins. Ten maidens. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but not, did not have oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars and took uh, uh, along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lights. I'll explain to you just now what that is. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. Isn't that a very Christian thing to do? No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy them some for yourselves. But while they were on their way, to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who, had, who were ready went on with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Here's another tough one. I'll come back to this one. So later the other ones came and they arrived there and they said, Lord, Lord, uh, open the door for us. And he replied, truly, I don't know you. And then he ends with that verse over there. And he says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day and the hour. Keep watch. And I'm going to mention this a few times because here is the most important thing that Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25, he reminds us a number of times to keep watch, to be aware, to be sharp, to stay awake, to be alert because we don't know the day and the hour. Therefore, in the context of chapter 25, I want to take you back, and you've got to read with me. Open your Bible and go to chapter 24 with me quickly. And we're going to read a whole lot of verses from there as well. Because here Jesus comes, and it starts like as he speaks to his disciples, and they start talking about the end times. And, and, and they say to him, Lord Jesus, so, so when is the sign? What is the sign of the coming of the end of the age? You're coming back in the end. What is the sign? And Jesus does not give them an answer and actually says to them almost, it's none of your business in today's kind of language. And then he goes on and here's the whole passage. Let's go there quickly. Because Jesus makes it clear to them. I'm not gonna tell you the day. I'm not gonna tell you the time. I'm gonna tell you there's a season in which you've gotta be ready. And in that season, you've gotta stay alert because it could happen at any time. So here we go, Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, verse 4 to 31. And Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and, and I've just read it. And he says, uh, the disciples came to him privately and says, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them. He didn't give them an answer. Look what he says. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. That's his answer. That's how he answers them. He says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You'll hear wars of rumors of war, but see that you are not alarmed. So look, look, look at the progression here with me tonight. Okay, so he says there will be wars and rumors of wars, but don't be alarmed at this. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Then he goes on and says, nations will rise up against nations, kingdom against kingdom. And he says, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are what? 
The Bible says the beginning of the birth pains. In other words, progression is taking place here. Then, here's the bad news. You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Some people say we'll be gone with the Lord Jesus. We'll be raptured. That's not what my Bible says. If I read the progression, it seems like we will go through this kind of stuff. But that's not the issue tonight. And I'm not going to get bogged down on it. I'm not going to argue about that tonight. But this is what it says. He says, then you'll be handed over and persecuted and be put to death. And you will be hated because of me by the nations. Isn't that exciting to believe this is going to happen to us as believers? No, it's quite depressing. At that time, many will turn away from their faith, will betray and hate one another. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus is starting to say, stand firm, be alert, be awake. He says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So you see, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, big words, don't ask me what it means. A number of people have tried to explain to me, I still don't know what it really means. Nobody seems to really, really know what it means because there's so many theories about what the abomination that causes desolation really is. But that's not the issue tonight. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to get into argument about that because there's a much more important message that I'm bringing to you tonight. So it says, when this time comes, when you see this stuff all happen, then be aware, let no one go to the, on the housetop, go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back and get their cloak. How dreadful will it be in the days for those who are pregnant, uh, women who are nursing their babies. Pray that your fight or your flight will not place and take in winter or on the Sabbath. Slow down, Rolof. For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning. Can you see the progression here, my my dear friend? And it says there, if, verse 22, if those days had not been cut short, no one but would be survived. But for the sake of the elect, the days will be shortened. My dear friend, this is the kind of message, like I said, I don't really wanna preach to people. Because it, it is not all going to just get so much better towards the end. But this is serious stuff that Jesus says. And he says then in verse 29, you can read it there as well. But I want to go on to verse 13. He says, and then there will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. After all of this has happened, then the sign, the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. The peoples of the earth who don't know him will mourn uh, when they see the Son of Man coming from the clouds with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the one end of the heavens to the other. When you read this passage, chapter 24, before we get to chapter 25, you see here that Jesus is warning he, those who are listening to them. He's telling them, and again and again, there will be a progression towards the end of evil, of calamity, of all kinds of stuff that people will persecute you because of your faith, and so on and so on. There will be famine and earthquakes and all that stuff that will happen. Be alarmed, be ready, because you're in a season where something great, yet for some, something very very, very disastrous in a sense is going to happen. And he says, but I'm telling you, in this time, people's affection will be turned away from the Messiah and they will grow cold and they will even hate one another. 
So he tells them in the same chapter, when they want a day, they want the month, they wanna say, when are you coming? They wanna put it on YouTube, folks. They wanna say the 23rd of September in 2019, Jesus is coming back. And Jesus says, I'm not gonna give you that loophole. I'm not gonna tell you the day. I'm just gonna tell you, be prepared. There is a season that you're gonna come in and I just want you to learn to watch what the season is like. Then he goes on in that passage. Matthew chapter 24, and he goes to verse 32 to 51, and he says, learn from the fig tree, and I'm gonna paraphrase because it's long to, uh, to read here, and he says, watch the trees in your garden. It's almost like the trees become tender and soft and they go green, and these little buds come out, and, 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 and you know that when this happens, there's a new season coming for this tree, and there's a season of fruit coming for this tree, and he says, it's right at the door. I tell you, this generation will not pass away, and these things... Uh, uh, until these things take place. And then he says in verse 36, but as for the day, I'm coming to the punchline just now, hang in there with me. As for the day and the hour, it is not known. It is not even known to the angels of the heaven. The only one that knows it is the Father, the heavenly Father, no one else. And then he goes and he says in verse 37, I think, he says, just like Noah, Noah realized there was a season why am I saying this? Because God said to Noah, Noah, build a boat. What is a boat? That's what he probably said to God because nobody had boats in those days. They didn't even have, apparently it was the first time it ever rained on the earth. So God says, Get, make a boat. He says, well, what's a boat? And God gave them all the sizes and said, this is how you build it. And he says, no, I'm gonna send rain. God, what is rain? He says, don't worry. It's just gonna flood the earth. There's gonna be so much water that everything is gonna drown. And no one knew. He did not know the, the day. He did not know the month. He did not know the year even. He just went by faith and he built the boat because he knew that he was in a season and didn't care about the day, didn't care about the hour, what, but was be was being prepared for a season, and that's what Jesus says. Just like Noah, be aware. You're in the season. You see all the stuff happening? In verse, 30, verse 42, he says this, listen to us. Therefore, first, second, third time, he's mentioning, therefore, stay alert because you do not know the day that the Lord will come. Therefore, stay alert Christian, listen to me tonight. Stay alert. If you want a message to take you in 2019, I'm telling you, this is the time to stay alert, to wake up and smell the roses. In verse 44, it says again, therefore you must be ready because he just told the story about a thief that if a guy comes and, and there's a thief coming to his house and he doesn't expect the thief and he's not prepared for the thief, that the thief will break in and steal and it will be at this guy's own cost. Therefore, stay alert, he says. Then he goes on and he tells the last story before we get to our passage tonight. And he says there's two kind of slave masters. And he tells the story. He says a master goes on holiday. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm telling you it in my language. And he says to Nick and he says to Peter. And he says, Nick, I want you to look after the slaves. And I want you to feed them and, and be good to them. And I want you to, to, to be a good boss to them. Because I'm coming back. And Nick sits there and he says, you know what? I honor my master. I'm going to be so ready for him. I'm going to feed them daily. I'm just going to do and fulfill the daily task that God has given to me. I'm going to be a good boss. Because I don't know when he's coming. But if he's coming, I'm going to be ready. And then there's Peter Stark. Peter says, Ach, no, let's have a party. He says, you know what, guys? 
the boss, I don't know if he's ever really going to come back. But let's, 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 he will come back, but we don't really know when he's going to come. But it's not really important because he's a nice guy. And, and so let's live it up. And I'm paraphrasing that passage if you, if you didn't know that. You can read it at home. And he says, let's just live it up. Let's spend it all. Let's be unjust to, our, to, to my team here. And I'm just going to, and Jesus says, you know what? Nick, I really like. I'm going to bless him with eternal life. Listen to what Jesus says, my friends. I, I think sometimes this Jesus that we portray about only shoppy grace and so on, and he is graceful. I'm so grateful that he is graceful. I'm so grateful that he's so, so good. I'm so grateful that he's so merciful. I'm so grateful, Peter, that he's so forgiving. But then he says about this bad one, and he says, you know what? This unwise, terrible servant, I'm gonna cut him in half and throw him in the fire. That's what your Bible says, doesn't it say it? And I go, wow, you, this is a bit hard. This is a bit tough, Jesus. You know, where's all the grace in here? And he says, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut him into, assign him to a place with the hypocrites where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, my friend, this is a message I don't really wanna preach. I've gotta preach it. Because this scares me into a right relationship from now and, now and now and then with God as well. So he teaches his disciples. He says, listen, I'm telling you, there's certain signs you're gonna see and I personally believe that we've seen some of those signs. But it could take 100 years. Because when I was 17, my pastor preached this kind of message. And I thought, oh, I went to my mother and I said, Mom, I'm never going to get married. I'm never, never going to have sex. So, I'm sorry, you know, that's just the way it was. I'm never going to get old. I'm never going to own a car like you guys. I'm never going to have my own house. I said, because my pastor says Jesus is going to come back. Did it upset you, the first part? I won't repeat it again, okay? The sex part, I'm not going to repeat that again. <laughs> See, I proudly tell you, I was a virgin when I got married, so it was something to look forward to. Okay, so let's move on. Don't get any pictures or any ideas. And I, and I said, Mom, I said, come on. And my mom says, my boy, let me give you good advice here today. Go and study. Get married, have babies, and things. <laughs> because he might not come back this year or next year. We're in a season. Just be ready. I've lived like that since 1974. Just be ready. Just be ready. There are times when I haven't really been that ready. But you know what? Then I read this Bible and I said, Just be ready, Rulof. Just be ready. Because, you know, if he doesn't come on the clouds, he may come in a car accident for me on a bus or an airplane or whatever. I better be ready. I better be on alert. I better be right with my Savior. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples here. He says, listen, ah, man, don't, don't worry about the date. When those YouTube movies come, delete them. Send them back to the sender and say, God bless you, you hypocrite, you, you're a false teacher. You know, I'm in a season, all right? So we, we will recognize that season like Noah and others as well. So here, all we've got to do is be constantly ready, alert that Jesus might be coming back. That's what he's telling his disciples. Be awake. Be awake. So as I said, he illustrates this idea about a burglary. And he says, if you're not ready, if you're not prepared, I mean, I'm so ready for any burglary. My wife is sleeping at the gate. My dog is sleeping at the, uh, at the door. I am in the bedroom keeping watch over my family. You know, I, we are safe, China. I'm telling you, that's how we live. Eh? You know, you know some, 
<laughs> Somebody said to me, like, stop joking about your wife like this. You know, my wife beats me up so I can handle it, you know. And, and so, so I'm so prepared. So Jesus said, but maybe you don't understand that in Joburg, living in Gauteng about burglaries and stuff like that. You know, maybe it's not. Let me tell you something on TV about firemen. All right? The American firemen stories are like this. They say these guys are so trained and equipped that they are so ready for a fire, that they don't know when the fire is coming, but let, let, they don't know when it's gonna happen. They, they, but they're in constant state of readiness. They go to bed with, sometimes with their boots on. They, 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 they have their cl clothes all laid out and, and to get quickly dressed when the alarm goes off. They go to the shops with their cell phones on. So when that, when that cell phone rings, they're out there because the fire is out. They're in constant state of readiness. There's a lesson a believer needs to learn from this. A constant state of readiness. That's how Jesus says you must be ready. So now, now you say, so what does it mean to be alert and ready? Alert, what does it mean? All right, I think it's simply this. Is every moment of the day fulfill your mission because that's the slave I talked to you about, Nick. Where Jesus says, I'm coming back. I want you to know, I'm, I'm, you're gonna give account to see how you've worked with the guys, the team I've given to you, how you've lived, and, and how you've fulfilled your mission. Every moment of the day, I've gotta just say, Lord, I give this moment to you. I give this moment to you. I'm gonna live for your glory. I'm gonna be ready. So, so that means when I watch the stuff on my cell phone or the TV that is ungodly, I'm just gonna say, Lord, if you come now, I'm gonna be in trouble. So I'm gonna be ready, and I'm just gonna put that stuff off. And there's a whole list of stuff that he speaks about. So fulfill your mission. That is how you and I need to live. So let's come back to the parable of the 10 vir virgins. So now we're halfway there. So we're going to be in by 8 o'clock, so that'll be fine. Eh? No, we're more than halfway. 10, parable of the virgins. I'm not going to read it again. It's in your Bible, Matthew chapter 25. All right? The end there is just so important. Keep watch, verse 13. Keep watch, keep watch. So let me summarize that, that thing for you because people, you wanna go deeper, I'll take you as deep as the Bible wants you to go tonight. And this is how simple it is because that's what I like about Jesus. He does not allow me to think, now what did you really mean? He just tell me in straight English. I've, I've, I've read this Bible and I say, I know exactly what to do. When it speaks about family, this, I know exactly what to do. This is what that passage is saying. There were 10 maidens. Five wise ones, five un unwise ones. The groom was lingering. He was not going to come soon, it seems. People got drowsy. They started to fall asleep. The groom seems to arrive late. Some were ready, some were not ready. There was no second chance for those who weren't ready. Therefore, keep watch. Therefore, be alert. Because you don't know the day and the hour. There's a lot of things about this story that we, we, we do not know. And that actually wasn't the intention of Jesus for us to know. And I'll tell you that in a moment. So we speculate about some of these things and, and, and so on. And that's not what he, what he wanted you to know was plain and simple. He, he didn't want you to think now, who's the bride? Who's the groom? Why is he late? Why is there oil? Why did some not have oil? Why the lamp? What kind of a lamp What was? I, I even read in my research that some people say, well, it's not the kind of lamps we use today. It's actually this. You know, it actually is not important what kind of lamp it is. It is important to understand what Jesus was saying to you and me. Stay alert. Keep watch. 
What we do know, it wasn't 220 volt. Because then it would have been out anyway. <laughs> All right? So in chapter 24, 25, here's an important message that Jesus says. He says this, my dear friend, 24, 25, is about a message about the coming of the Messiah and the end of the age and the readiness of the church. Are you ready is my question. Are you ready to go? You hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about going home. I'm talking about are you ready now with your Lord Jesus Christ or the Savior of this world? I'm not talking about arguments and people want to say, well, Rulof, you said that, that, that um, we, we're going to go through the great tribulation. Yes, that's what I said. I firmly believe that. But in the end, my dear friend, if you want to argue about this, then, then, then I'm going to stop you because I'm not going to go there because some believe we're going to go before. And I don't know where they get it from, but they get it from somewhere. Some say in the middle. Some say in the end. I believe we're going to go through all this stuff first. And, and in the end, then the, the, the rapture will take place. That's how I read my Bible. But if we go before, I'm going to go with you. If we go in the middle, I'm going to go with you too. And that's not really the important thing. The important thing is that we're going to go with him. That's the important thing. And that's why you can get bogged down with the before and after in the middle and what and when and how. And, and I don't want, yes, I also don't want to go through the tribulation. But let me tell you something. Here's the message. Be ready. Be alert. Watch out. Follow him with all your heart. You see, we can note now and say, well, the bridegroom was late. Why was he late? I don't know. He wasn't coming at the expected time. That I do know. There were 10 virgins here, some very wise ones, some not so wise ones. Lee, come and help me here quickly. I'm gonna abuse you here. Okay, here's the 10 wise ones. So what they did is now, they were now falling asleep. Their lamps were out at this stage. They were falling asleep, okay, because the groom was just not coming. All right, but now somebody excited comes in. The groom is in the street. He's coming. Lee, light your line quickly. Oh, you're not a smoker. Good thing. I'm making you nervous. Cool, dude. All right. So, so what they did is, as you see, a lamp that goes out. This morning I said it's a, a wig. It's not a wig. It's a wick. A wig is what Nick is going to wear soon, yeah. <laughs> with, with Velcro in the middle. Velcro in the middle, yeah. Uh, so so I said, the wick when you put the lamp out, the wick is now burned for a little bit so it goes black. So remember I read about they trim their wicks. That's what they do. So when you trim that, in other words, you take all the burnt stuff up. So when you relight it, it lights very quickly. You don't have to burn, light through the burnt stuff and burn your finger there. It's on like we did just now. It was on. All right? The other thing about these girls is they had enough oil for themselves. Their lamps were full so they could fill it and have some spare ones. And they, uh, they were safe. But their friends were not so safe. They also had the lamb. You see, they were at the same wedding, ready, waiting, hearing the same stuff. They were at the same wedding. And uh, light that one, please. Whoops. What's wrong? Is it not, is it not lighting? Did you cut it? I did cut it. No, no, I didn't even cut it. Sorry, I forgot. So what's wrong? No oil. You've got no oil in that lamp. You're unprepared. You must ask for that one. 
No, you can't use any of that. No. Uh-uh. Go and sit down. And leave the matches as well. I am not going to give you some of my oil. Because you are not prepared, Lee. See, I want to illustrate how simple God's word, but how powerful and direct it is to us as well. All right? So, so, so those girls go to their friends, and they say, please give us oil. Their friends say no. Because if we give you some of our oil, there's not going to be enough for both of us. And we are prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. We are ready for him. The fact that you are not ready, sorry. So here's some really shocking things, two things about this passage, and I'm, I'm almost done. Those who were prepared did not share. Dev, they didn't share their stuff. Let me tell you, please give us oil. What would you have done? You would have been a Christian, hey? You would have been saying, okay, you know what, guys? If we run out, we do it together. So I'm gonna give you half of my oil at least. So, so that's what you think you would have done. You probably wouldn't have, but you, you're a nice guy. Okay, so you're gonna give them at least half. You know, so, so both of us are not gonna be ready, but at least both of us are not. No, they didn't do that. They said, no, I'm not giving you any of my oil. That's how simple it is. It's, you know, you can read what you want to it, but this is what I read into it, is that my dear friend, the reality is this, is that you cannot survive on somebody else's faith. Number two is no one can walk this walk for, with you, for you. No one. No one is responsible for filling up your oil. No one, friend, is responsible for the lack of your oil. Only you. Oh, but my pastor, that's not, got nothing to do with your pastor. My mother, it's got nothing to do with your mother. My Sunday school, it's got nothing to do with them. You are responsible for the oil in your own lamp. Only you take the blame when you are not ready. That's the reality. That's part of, you know, let, let me tell you, you can do all the stuff that you want. You can come to church. You can play the stuff with us. You can sing in the band. You can dance with us. You can look happy here. And, and, and you can even read your Bible and go to prayer meetings. But unless you have oil in your lamp, you will be oilless. You will have nothing. You will be a ritualist. And you're not walking with Jesus. You have to have oil in your lamp. In other words, a living relationship with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. That's what these wise ones did and the unwise ones didn't do. You see, in today's language, we may say, they went to church just like them. They were waiting for the same groom just like them. But they started but didn't finish, and they did. The other thing that shocks me about this passage, at some of the other stage, the door was shut. I find that harsh, but it's a reality. It's in the word of God. You see, these, these ones ran and bought oil. They came back and they knocked on the door, and it says, and the Lord says, let us in, let us in, please, we're here, we're ready, we want to join the wedding. And the Lord says, no, I'm not opening this door, go away, I don't know you. Man, I find that terrible. I find that quite hard. 
But this kind of stuff in the Bible reminds me that the grace that I hang on to and love and, and live for and thank Jesus for is not a soft, soppy, do what you want to kind of grace, but it's a grace that invites me, begs me to be ready for Jesus every day of my life. You see, many people are not concerned that the door may close. They're not even concerned. Ach, I'm young, Rolof, I'm gonna have time to do it later. Many are sleeping while we're preaching and singing, sleeping spiritually in the church, doing stuff we're doing, but are sleeping fast asleep spiritually in the church. Those are the ones that Jesus are warning. And you say, Rolof, well, you know, I did do it a long time ago. Let me tell you, my dear friend, I firmly believe the Bible tells me that once saved, not always saved. You can slip away from this stuff. And there's many scriptures, and I'll give you one or two or three or four tonight, but here's some of them. It's in Isaiah, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. In other words, it is now. It is now you've got to do it. Don't wait. Don't put it off. It is now you've got to be ready. And I'm talking to Christians as well. I'm telling you, 2019 is a year where you've got to keep the oil filled in your lamp. Let me tell you about the oil, like I said earlier on. In the old days, they had this lamp that probably looked a little bit more like this rather than this, but it didn't look like this. It was more of a bowl, maybe, with a cloth in it, and the olive oil was put in there. And they would trim it nicely, and every now and then put more oil in and wet this cloth. And they would use this as a torch, and they would walk through buildings and streets like us because they haven't, like we. They didn't have electricity. So they go through this building and they walk with this light and this is how they shone their own light. They had to constantly have oil fill in to shine their own light. It is symbolic to you and me as well. And so you see, and Jesus says, seek him while he may be found. Friends, I'm thinking of friends of mine who don't know Jesus, family who don't know Jesus, but think they're good enough to go to heaven. And I cry over them. Then it goes on and it speaks you see, it is saved ones that go to heaven, not good people, but saved ones. Not religious ones, but saved ones. People who run this race and finish the race. You do funerals of people and say, well, at least they did give their life to the Lord in 2005, although they did not keep on following. Well, this tells me it's not good enough. I gotta finish this race. I gotta finish this race. I gotta finish it strong. And I'm going to finish it in Jesus. In Acts chapter 13, it says this. Paul and Barnabas were talking believers who were on their way. They were following Christ. And he says, they were urging them to continue in the grace. Why urge somebody if they can't fall away? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Do not lose heart in doing good. Why is this said if I cannot lose heart? I can First, Second Timothy 3 verse 14, there's empty scriptures I can give you. I'm giving you some. You are ever continue in the things you have learned and become convinced. And if he's asking me to continue, it means that I can discontinue. So he's urging me to continue. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us hold, uh, also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run this race with endurance, the race that is set before us. Those who finish it will be saved. Revelations 3 verse 11 says this, I am qu coming quickly. Hold fast. In other words, a tight grip so that your knuckles are white. That kind of a grip to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Matthew 24, we read it already. There will be those whose love will go cold, who will fall away, listening to false prophets, and even hate those who are still following Jesus. In all these parables, 
Here's the simple message Jesus is giving you and me. Be ready for my return at all times. And he's telling us that it's true that some are going to be ready and some are not going to be ready. And you know, like I said, the shocking thing is that even in church, there are those who are not going to be ready, but they're going to look just like us. They're going to be in church with you, but they're not ready for the second coming. They're not ready for this day that Jesus is speaking about. Then he goes on and says, there's one group that are ready, and man, when, they, when Jesus comes or comes for them, even if it's tonight or tomorrow, they're going to go straight into heaven and to fellowship with him. And here's the stark reality. The group that are not ready are assigned to eternal torment. Is it because God wants to send people to hell? No, he doesn't. He wants all men to be saved, but it's our choice. It is our choice to be ready or not. I want to tell you a true story in closing as an illustration. It is an, a true, it's a fact what I'm telling you now. It's a true story. It's about a professional singer, Ruthana Metzgar. True story. She was invited to sing at a very rich guy's, a famous guy's wedding, which we will not mention. Obviously, his wife was at the wedding as well. So she was very excited about this wedding, the invitation to sing. And before the wedding, her and her husband had prepared themselves and, and, and the, they chose the special clothes and, and, and that they would wear the perfume and the aftershave and all that kind of stuff. And on the day when all the guests arrived, they were there. They were in this very expensive hotel. And all together with all them, there were waiters with tuxedos giving out exotic beverages like Coca-Cola and stuff like this. It was announced that the bridegroom and the groom had arrived and the guests would be going up on these very fancy, beautiful glass and brass staircase, draped with ribbons. So they're walking up there, they arrive at the top and the maitre d', the top waiter says, good evening, may I have your name please? And Ruthana Metzger, true story, says, I'm Ruthana Metzger. And this is my husband, Roy. And he goes through the list and he goes to the M's and he says, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'm not finding it. Would you like to spell it for me, please? And Ruthanan spelled her name very slowly. And after searching the book, the maitre d' looked at her and says, I am sorry, I cannot find your name here. True story. I cannot find your name yet. And she says, there must be a mistake. I am the singer. I've been invited to sing at this wedding. I, of course, I'm, my name must be on the list. And the gentleman replied and he says, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. Without your name on this book, I cannot allow you into the banquet, ma'am. And he looked at his friend and he says, would you please escort these people down to the service elevator? And they took it to the elevator and her husband. And he opened the elevator and he pressed G for garage, parking garage, and they left. And like a good husband would do, while they were driving, he didn't say, you see, you should have me. He just asked her this question, sweetheart, what happened? Put her hand on her knee. And she looked at him and he says, when the invitation arrived, I did not RSVP. She says, I was so busy. And you know, I was the singer. Surely, they would have been, my name would have been down there, surely. And then she started to weep. And this is a true story, folks. She started to weep. And she says, not only because she had missed one of the most beautiful, bestest banquets she would ever have been able to go to, but also she suddenly realized and had a taste of what it would be like when people would one day stand before Christ and Jesus says, 
Your name is not written in the book of life. 